when we talk about seeing a doctor, it typically means we go into an office or a hospital to receive care. But more and more healthcare workers, they're actually meeting people in their homes. The pandemic pushed many in the healthcare industry to reevaluate how we access care. Some turn to virtual meetings, some turn to house calls, and many experts think the benefits of home health care far outweigh traditional methods. Helen O'Yang is an emergency medicine doctor at Columbia University. She's also a contributing writer for The New York Times. Welcome to Reset, Doctor. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. You recently wrote uh, a very interesting piece. It was about the rise of home health care. Simply put, how is home health care different from traditional hospital stays? In this setting, um, hospital at home is bringing everything that's in the hospital into the patient's home. So patients get to stay at home and doctors and nurses come to them and give them medical care. Sometimes that's done virtually through telemedicine and sometimes it's in person. And you dig into a few reasons for that shift, doctor. What do you think had the biggest impact? The biggest impact was definitely from the pandemic. So when hospitals were totally overwhelmed by people coming in, they needed to be hospitalized, they needed to be in ICU care, there weren't enough beds, um, we had to do something about it. So a lot of the patients were moved out of the hospitals. At first, they were moved into other facilities like ambulatory surgery centers or dorm rooms even, sometimes even hotels. And then eventually, they were moved into their own homes. But prior to that, there was a lot of reasons why patients might not want to stay in the hospitals. There's a lot of infections. Um, on any given day, one in 31 patients in a hospital will have a healthcare-associated infection. Mm. That means they got the infection while interacting with our healthcare system. Um, there's beeps, there's disruptions, there's people coming into your room at all hours of the day and the night. And a lot of times older people will get delirious and confused from all of these interruptions and they won't sleep and they get worse. You also talk about how before the 20th century, treatments at home were more common. When did we see the change, doctor? Yeah, I mean, people used to get all of their care at home. Even sometimes surgeries were performed at home. And then as medicine became more high-tech, more specialized, you know, we learned from our counterparts in Europe more things had to be done in facilities. And medical students, they didn't want to be in the classrooms anymore. They wanted to learn in wards. So all of those reasons shift the care into the hospital. And then during the Civil War, you know, a lot of people were treated in hospitals. And especially during the later years, they actually did pretty well. And people saw that hospitals were well run. So that was mm -hmm. another reason that the public got more confidence in what hospitals could do. You, you bring up this 2005 paper in the Annals of Internal Medicine about a home hospitalization pilot trial. This was from the 1990s. Can you tell us about that program and how the method gained in popularity? Yeah, so the lead author was Bruce Leff. He's a geriatrician and a professor at Johns Hopkins. And he had been saying for years that hospitalizations were not good for people, especially for older people, which was the population that he worked with. So he got a grant, and the leadership at Hopkins really supported him at the time, and he was able to 
have people hospitalized in their own homes. These people were older than 65, and they had pretty straightforward diagnoses. So a flare-up of their heart failure or their emphysema, a pneumonia, or a bad skin infection that required intravenous antibiotics. And he hospitalized them at home, and they did pretty well. You know, they had shorter stays. Um, The cost of their care was cheaper. So people got some more confidence into hospital at home from that. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the role that Medicare and Medicaid have in in supporting hospital systems that want their own home health care programs? Yeah, that's a great point. So before the pandemic, CMS required that nurses had to be on site 24-7. So you basically couldn't hospitalize people at home. You know, um, they had to stay within hospital walls. Because of the pandemic and hospitals were inundated with patients and were running out of room, they decided that some people could go home and that they just required two nursing visits a day. Mm-hmm. And they even said that those visits could be even done by a paramedic. You're an emergency room doctor. You know, you're in one of the largest, busiest cities in the country, arguably. I imagine the trauma patients that you're seeing they may not be eligible for this, but talk about who is and what qualifies them for this program. Yeah, that's definitely true. So somebody who needed to be in intensive care, they wouldn't be able to go home. Um, And really, the people who are behind this movement, they're trying to figure it out. You know, since uh, Dr. Leff had done his program way back in the 90s, we've had a lot of improvements in technology and development. So people, in theory, could be monitored at home and they could send Um, their telemetry results to the hospital and doctors and nurses can see it in real time. So the monitoring um, piece has to be figured out and to see what we're comfortable with. And then, you know, if people are too far from the hospital, they get more sick, they need to be transported back. How can that be done safely? Mm -hmm. And then we're having community paramedics go into people's homes and doing a lot of the nursing care and figuring out whether that really is a Um, reasonable way to provide people care in their homes. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking about the rise in home health care with a Columbia emergency medicine doctor, Helen Oyang. She's also a contributing writer for The New York Times. I want to add another voice to the conversation. Dr. Luke Neal is the medical director of the Hospital at Home program here at Northwestern Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Neal. Thanks so much for having me, Sasha. How did Northwestern's home health program start? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think for Northwestern specifically, we really wanted to look at the data. Um, Helen did an incredible job on her recent New York Times article, so congratulations, Helen, on really giving a really nice overview of how we think about hospital at home. And one of the things that I would want to focus on is, you know, instead of looking at specifically the capacity constraints that are existing in the pandemic as a reason for the waiver to launch, I would really also look at and include the incredible work done through the Affordable Care Act passed in 2010, Mm -hmm. which actually created the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovations. That specifically is looking at ways for payment models that we can improve the quality of care by reducing cost. And interesting enough, it was CMMI that actually gave an innovation award to Mount Sinai to conduct a a very significant study from 2014 to 2017 that was done at Mount Sinai with Al Su and Linda Desheri that really was a landmark paper on top of Bruce Less from 2005 yeah. that showed 
this truly is a reduction in cost with an improvement of quality. And then I should say from an institutional uh, initiative, it's uh, very aligned with actually CMMI's you know, recent strategic goal, which is to really improve access and health equity. And hospital home really is a landmark uh, improvement in health equity as we think about it as a health system. Um, so to provide some context, I had drafted our CMS waiver to begin admitting patients to hospital at home. This was in March of 2021. And then it led to the culmination of our first patient admitted within the city of Chicago in 2022. Okay. So very excited about this next step in healthcare for the country. Dr. Neal, how much more does a program like this cost to run? More or less than, than traditionally hospitalizing the same number of patients? Yeah, that's a great question. And if we look at David Levine's randomized control trial that was done um, at Brigham Women's Hospital, this is between 2017 and 2018, involved 91 patients, they looked at the cost of care, and they showed that there was a 38% reduction, uh, significant reduction, in the adjusted mean cost of acute care. So, you know, I think studies have shown that there is a significant reduction. I think as programs begin the initial investment and think about this as a whole new department of their hospital, you know, there is definitely um, an initial cost to build the program, but as we've seen the significant benefits of hospital at home, um, that is well worth the future benefit of this mm -hmm. uh, to patients, first and foremost. Dr. Oyang, you talked to a few home health providers for your, your story. How much does where the patient lives impact whether they can participate in a home health care program? Help us understand that. Or, or does it entirely depend on the health worker? That's a really great question. So, for the most part, most patients can participate unless they have some safety issue at home. So if in the wintertime, if their heater was broken or they didn't, if their water wasn't working or their electricity was down, then they wouldn't be able to get hospital at home. In some cases, people have been able to get hospital at home in a hotel room even if they needed it. But in rural areas, it can be hard to provide hospital at home, especially in the area where I went in Kentucky, you know, there was a hurricane which took down all their infrastructure. People couldn't even get to their homes. Their electricity was down for weeks. They didn't have clean water. In cases like that, you can't safely provide hospital at home. Yeah. How many hospitals would you say across the country are, are navigating their own home hospitalization programs? So we say there's about 5% of all the hospitals, um, about 250 hospitals or so, have, been, have gotten the waiver but not all of them have started their program yet. You you write about a scary statistic. You said nearly 30% of all rural hospitals are at risk of closing, especially tiny standalone facilities. Where's that number coming from, and, and what is impacting the number? Yeah, that's true. So in rural hospitals, they require patients in inpatient beds to stay afloat. And if they don't have enough of those patients in inpatient beds, the hospital can basically run out of money and they would have to close. So initially I had looked into hospital at home because I wondered if it could be a solution for some of these rural hospitals, these tiny standalone facilities that are shutting down. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult because they are already running on very short staff in rural areas. The houses are much farther apart. So 
it becomes extremely challenging to invest in a hospital home program where you have to take your staff away from the brick and mortar facilities and go to all, to all these different homes, which can be quite spread out and far apart. So the investment into hospital home in these rural areas really has to come from somewhere else other than the hospital itself. Dr. Neela, at this point in the pandemic, uh, telehealth, it's, it's common for so many people, as we've mentioned. Do you think that home health will be a more common part of accessing health care? I mean, what's one way that you think, if that's the case, what's one way that you think that it can be improved, the program? I think that's a great question. I think you know, telehealth serves a very important role, especially as we think about some of the staffing constraints that have existed um, through the pandemic. Um, you know, but I think that it's really important to understand that as you know, we're engaging in hospital at home, that the time actually spent face-to-face with a patient, especially at the start of their hospital home stay, is critical because you can really understand what's occurring and those social determinants of health that are going on around the patient in their own home. So really going to them. I think there's a lot of instances where, especially in rural health care, as we're starting to empower communities to take care of patients, that telehealth can initially serve a really important goal and will continue to as we try to manage patients in acute level care at home. Your thoughts, Dr. Oyang? How can these programs be improved? Yeah, I completely agree with what Luke said. I mean, telehealth will be a big assistance. As he had mentioned, the CMMI study afterwards, when a committee evaluated, they thought that each hospital system probably needed to admit back then at least 200 or so patients a year. And that would be hard for some hospitals to reach. But now with the aid of telehealth, you really can scale some of these programs much more efficiently. Dr. Helen Oyang is a New York Times contributing writer and a Columbia University emergency medicine doctor. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've been talking about the popularity of home health care programs across the country, including one at Northwestern Medicine. Dr. Luke Neal is the medical director of that university's hospital at home program. We are now also joined by Samantha Heitch. She is a nurse practitioner at Sage Family Practice Health and Wellness Center in Flossmoor. Welcome to Reset, Samantha. Thank you. So happy to be here. And remember, we want to hear from you on this. Tell us your experience with home health care. Or if you've got a question about home health care that you want answered, we want to hear from you as well. Call us now at 866-915-WBEZ. Again, our number is 866-915-WBEZ. Samantha, tell us a bit about your, your background and how you got into home health care. Well, I am a family nurse practitioner, has been one for seven years. I established Sage Family Practice in 2020. Um, in October during the COVID uh, pandemic. So as uh, time goes on, um, we decided that we would start uh, home care, home-based practice in the home in May of 2022, where we identified that many of our patients in our community that is homebound, frail, and unable to meet traditional clinical settings, that we they are being missed. Uh, they're overusing the emergency rooms to refill medications. Uh, they're not getting um, the surveillance that they need to prevent um, progression of diseases. 
So once we started this program, we currently are seeing 36 patients in their home. Uh, we're managing their chronic illnesses. We're also doing prevention medicine. Uh, if warranted, we order labs and get other community resources in the home. Mm -hmm. Talk us through the, the biggest benefits you see, Samantha, with uh, patients receiving home health care and drawbacks that maybe patients wouldn't notice. Well, the benefits that uh, has been you know, observed is that you do see less of our clients going into the emergency rooms or, or even being admitted because we also do triage and urgent visits to prevent such uh, activities. Um, and the patients have a relationship with you, so they're more apt to disclose any new issues that's going on mm -hmm. versus trying to get medications refilled and moving on to the next step until they finally end up in the hospital. Yeah. Some of the drawbacks that I have found is that uh, in some areas it is really dangerous, um, but we go together as a team so that we can make sure that we meet the people in our community. Uh, there is others with the peer source, if it's an HMO or um, event, one of those insurances that manages the care, mm -hmm. you know, you definitely have to have a primary care provider to refer those patients. So if they don't go to a doctor's office, how are they going to have a primary care provider to refer? So there's times where we'll just initiate those visits and then try to do uh, phone call assessments and make sure those patients doesn't get missed. One of our goals is to bridge that gap um, yeah. to continuity of care and quality care. Dr. Neal, as head of Northwestern's Hospital at Home program, what does your day look like? Are you meeting patients at home most of the day? Yeah, that's a great question, Sasha. And I'm an emergency medicine physician by training, so have both seen patients and enrolled patients in the emergency room, served in an administrative capacity in helping to form the creation of our hospital home program, as well as take care of patients and meet them right in their home itself. So I would say a multifaceted approach from my end. Yeah. And seen experiences from all, all angles. How often can patients expect someone to check in on them, whether in person or, or virtually, doctor? Yeah, it's a great question. I'd say there's sort of a baseline requirement that was set up by uh, CMS when you apply for a waiver to begin admitting patients. But at Northwestern, we're really trying to go, you know, above and beyond as it relates to, you know, hospital at home. So to talk about the baseline requirement, you have to have at least two in-person visits a day mm -hmm. to do vital signs. The physician taking care of the patient needs to be in person with them during the initial H&P before they're admitted and then can perform telehealth video visits for each day thereafter. At Northwestern, we take an in-home approach, so really bring the providers to the patients every day so we can really gain those learnings and see the true benefit of this. Right. And Samantha, for, for the person listening now that's wondering about how this even begins, walk us through how a patient goes from realizing that they need care to receiving that care at home. Once a patient identify or even a loved one, because many times it's the caregivers 
that um, will call our office or a home health agency that will refer patients to us. So if a patient identifies that they need this care, they're no, long, no longer able to make those traditional clinic visits, and they meet the medical CMS guidelines for homebound status, they can call our office, uh, Sage Family Practice at 708-673-4604. Our lines are open every day. 24-7 because we want to make sure that our patients have access to us at all times so that we can meet immediate needs and address those issues right away. So once it is identified, we go through the um, intake process to make sure that this patient meets those criteria, and then we will set, my office staff will schedule a visit, uh, and I will do that initial visit. I do face-to-face. -face, um, okay with all of our patients. Um, so that, therefore, you know, they're getting to know me. I can see what's actually going on with that client versus what they're telling me over the phone or through telehealth. Um, and I can also take a look at the environment to make sure that whatever needs are needed, we can get the right resources in that home. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking about the popularity and impact of home health care with Samantha Heitch, who's a nurse practitioner at Sage Family Practice Health and Wellness Center, and Dr. Luke Neal, who is the medical director of that university's hospital at home program. We're also looking to hear from you. Tell us your experience with home health care, if you have one, or if you've got a question about home health care that you want answered, our number is 866-915-WBEZ. That is 866 866- 915-WBEZ. That said, we'll jump to the phones where Rick in Glenview has been waiting. Hey, Rick, welcome to Reset. Morning. Thank, thank you. Yeah, my question is this. My mother-in-law has been diagnosed with kidney cancer, and she has a feeding tube through her nose um, to bypass the blockage. They, she does not qualify to stay in the hospital. She does not qualify for long-term acute care, and they're going to put her on an eight-week chemotherapy program. But in the meantime, for the eight weeks, she has to go home to her apartment, and her children and in-laws have to take care of her. And if she has a setback, like she did a couple of weeks ago, we can't administer any medicines through a feeding tube as, as her children and, and in-laws and so the only choice is then is to take her back to the emergency room when she's in pain. Would this home health care be able to to take on that kind of patient? Good question, Rick. Uh, Dr. Neal? Yeah, thanks for the great question, Rick. And I would say that, you know, as we think about hospital-level care at home, currently as it exists with the CMS structure, there's actually two main ways for someone to be admitted into this program. And currently, you have to either go through the emergency room or be an existing inpatient in the hospital. And then essentially, you are then transferred into the inpatient unit at your home. Um, so, you know, there's a couple logistical steps, you know, initially that would qualify someone for this specific CMS acute hospital care at home program. But I think you bring up an excellent point is that as we think about oncology care in the United States, there is a tremendous opportunity here to really improve the quality, empower caregivers like you and your family, and also limit the cost and burden on you all. You know, you think about the typical experience of a caregiver with someone in the hospital, they have to each day have specific hours that 
they can only see the patient, right? But certain hours are not no longer visiting hours. They have to drive to the hospital for 30 to 40 minutes, pay for parking, find the room. And then, you know, it's hard to even catch the clinical team in certain instances, and you can only find them on rounds. So you, you really think about that day, have to go to the cafeteria to eat, have to pay for food, and then have to drive home for 40 minutes, and you're exhausted at the end of the day. You know, so you compare that experience to one where the care team's coming to you. You know, what do you and your family need? How can we help your family member get the care for their cancer? You know, that should be done. Yeah. Thank you for calling, Rick. Our thoughts are with your mother-in-law. Samantha, I'm curious, how easily are you able to get imaging or, or blood work done for these patients? It's very easy. I send the referral over to the um, home-based diagnostic and laboratory companies that I am affiliated with, um, and they go right out and take care of those patients, and I get those results within 24 to 48 hours. If it's something that I need urgently, I get it within that uh, 24 hour at the end of the business day. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to the phones. We've got JoJo on the line in Oak Brook. Hi, JoJo. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. What's your question or comment? Um, my comment, unfortunately, um, I dealt with um, home health groups uh, for both my parents when they were sick. And um, for the most part, I thought that they were predators to get reimbursement from Medicare. Um, I must have dealt with, I would say, 12 to 15 different ones in the Chicagoland area. And out of all of that, there was only one that I thought was good, Mm. very good, actually. So I think the concept of having home health care is fantastic. I just think that there's too many um, too many groups out there that have sprouted up that um, they're just looking at the dollar and not at patient care. Oh, uh, thank you for your call, Jojo. And an interesting point, Samantha. I, I wonder if you'd like to address that. I know we we know that dealing with health insurance that can be tricky. Uh, is it any more challenging if if patients participate in home health care programs? Well, you also have to think about, um, because there's two types of home health care. You have the home health care where you have nursing, physical therapy, occupational therapy going into the home. So that's a different entity from what I do. I'm a home-based primary care provider. So I will be coming into the home as the provider, as the patient would be coming to my clinic. Mm So that would be the difference. Um, so I'm thinking she's had some experiences with home health care where they had to provide nurses and other uh, disciplines to uh, give to her parents. But, uh, yes, insurance is an issue. Um, but with my company, what we do, we make sure that the patient qualifies for the services. We go through authorization with the insurance companies to make sure that the patient does not have to be billed for the visit. Now, there is a case where patients do have a copay, and they are responsible for that. And that is discussed with the patient and the the provider, the um, care source. Yes. We're almost out of time. Dr. Neal, how do you see the program evolving in the next few years? How would you like to see it improved? That's a great question, Sasha. I think that 
as we're looking ahead, we really want to see how we can expand the opportunities provided to patients, not just at Northwestern Memorial Hospital, but to the health system you know, as a whole. And so, you know, with that, we're really trying to take a holistic approach for the whole health system as we move forward into the future of healthcare and not just under one hospital. Because, you know, it's important, you know, to really think about how we can get a system level thought process and thinking towards really leveraging all the resources that we have at Northwestern to really improve the care and lives of patients. So I would say, you know, really system level expansion as we look ahead and then really improving our, not only our volume of patients seen, but, you know, the care that's provided uh, at each new location. I'll give you the last word, Samantha. Any final thoughts? Um, I, I'm along with Dr. Neal here. I just want to make sure that uh, we give our community the care that they need so that we can have a healthier uh, community. Uh, being an active participant in our health as well as following up and uh, reaching out to the resources that is within the community so that the people can get what they need. And family strain is an issue, and mm-hmm. we need to find more um, resources for the family. The caregivers sometimes need a break, but they can't get it, or they don't have the information on how they can get those resources. So educating the community, spreading yeah. the word that these services are available, and then giving them the information needed so that they can be an active participant in it. We'll leave it there. Samantha Heitch is a nurse practitioner at Sage Family Practice Health and Wellness Center in Flossmoor. And Dr. Luke Neal is the medical director of the university's hospital at home program. Thank you both.